can't uh, begin without thanking some people. Um, I want to thank <coughs> the members of the Houston Association who took the time out of their schedule to be here this afternoon. Thank you so much. And the friends uh, of Cathedral of Hope. But I especially want to thank Reverend Dr. Joe Hudson, who came down from Dallas. And I have to tell you, she came down from Dallas. She serves a church in Dallas and worship is at 10? 11. At 11. And she was going to fly, and I was going to pick her up at about 2.45, and we'd get here about 3.30. Perfect. Well, you know, Southwest, they kept pushing the flight, and so it was clear she wasn't going to make it. So they were doing a celebration of baptism, and Ray, uh, Pastor Ray, he was going to do communion, but Joe was reminding him of their baptism and walked to the end of the sanctuary and into the office and got in her car and broke her. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I, I need to tell you why I didn't want to do this today. You know, Leslie called a couple days ago and said, how do you feel about this? I said, I would just assume two nails <laughs> as do this. And I won't tell you what I called myself because I can't. But I'm a crier, okay? And it's just, you know, I just cry. You, if you, I cry all the time. You know, I could actually go to a wedding of two people I've never met and I could cry. And so I was not looking forward to this. And then when they did the slideshow, I said, I'm dead. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tough it up. And you know, it's perfectly fitting that we would have a celebration of Cathedral of Hope. But you know, it's fitting for a couple of reasons. Not just because of the uniting of St. Peter, United Church of Christ, and Cathedral Pope, but I don't know if you know, January 2019 is the 10th anniversary of the very first worship service of Cathedral Pope. Wow. And, you know, kind of how it got started is in the fall of uh, 2008, they were having some kind of gathering meetings, get-together meetings. And there's four of us in the room today who were there. Brian and Tom and Wayne. And I had just started seminary. I mean, like two weeks. And I'm sure that that uh, Michael Piazza went back to Dallas and told you, I got a live one. Just start the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I've been blessed to be on the ground with Cathedral Pope from the very, very beginning. And we had our first worship service uh, in January of 2019. And, it, and if I talk about the memories of Cathedral Pope, this will be the longest worship service on record. But I do want to talk a little bit about the history of how Cathedral Pope came to be what it is today in the context of our reading in Acts. You know, that's one of my favorite readings in the Acts of the Apostles, because in reality, it's a description of, of a church start. But now I need you to do something for me, because one of the problems that we have is that when we read the Acts of the Apostles, it's, unfortunately, we see it like it's a movie about Christianity, and there's three things that they do that's just so patently false. Whenever you see a movie that's about the early church, first of all, they're all white, which is not true. Uh, 
Uh, and second, um, they're all really, really serious, like they had no sense of humor, which is not true. And they all have British accents. <laughs> so I want you to think about what it is to start a church and think of not only Cathedral Pope, but think of those early Christians at the time after Jesus who were trying to begin a church. And I want you to see them in living color. I want you to see them with their joy and, and their, their fun and their problems and their worries and their excitement. I want you to see them and hear them. And I want to repeat just a few of the verses. And this is what is the heart of Cathedral Pope. All the believers were united and shared everything. They met together in the temple and in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity, although we've never shared food with simplicity. <laughs> but listen to this. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. Cathedral Pope survived in spite of everything that we had to go through because I believe that we were doing the best we could to live out these verses in Acts of the Apostles. We created a place to belong. And a place to belong is about more than theology and it's about more than doctrine. It's about creating a space that emanates the truth that God loves you for exactly who God created you to be. And a place to belong emanates the truth that you have been called by God to love your neighbor as yourself. It is that simple. It's just not easy. Now, I'll be honest with you. We were not the model church start that folks might lift up. We didn't have a 30-something white male pastor in, in Levi's. Most of the time, they had me. There was no praise band or praise singers or a maze of lights. We didn't worship in an edgy location like a converted warehouse or an abandoned factory. And in the beginning, we used hymnals for every song. <laughs> and there wasn't a screen in sight until we moved here and installed this one. And in 10 years, as we created a place to belong, we worshipped in four locations that were not exactly next to each other. We worshipped three different times, and we had more musicians, organists, and pianists, along with more varied styles of music than I can count. <laughs> but we created a place to belong. But I'll tell you what was true from the very, very beginning. And you saw it in these slides. From the very beginning, we were in service to the community. Whether it was at Set Against Heights or at the Houston Food Bank, we were involved in giving back in the community from the very beginning. From the very beginning, we were engaged in learning. We felt that we had a responsibility, which the United Church of Christ tells us when we join, to learn and to study. How many years did we have a book study at the church? Long time. 
And then we tried to start Circles of Hope, and one of them kind of caught fire, and we met every week until the month I retired. And we created a place to belong and study the Word. And we were also incredibly generous in our giving. You know, Joe will speak to this a little bit. We were birthed by Computer Hope in Dallas, but they didn't give us a blank check because they didn't have the money. You know, we were starting on a shoestring. And what they did is they helped subsidize uh, us financially in the beginning. They used one of their own pastors to come down on Sundays, and they would come down and preach, and then they would fly home. And, and so the live one they found, uh, I was kind of the person on the ground, and um, that was how we managed. And I want to tell you that we became financially independent, meaning we paid our own way in about two years. It was phenomenal. And that wasn't a lot of people, but they were incredibly generous. And I have to tell you that um, when we first moved in here, we spent over $20,000 on the on new sound and the projector and the screen and that. And every bit of that money was donated by people who were not in the pews at the time that had given before because we had created a place to belong. It was about not just us, but the future. And we found people who came here who found a sanctuary, a home. You know, 10 years ago, it was incredibly important if you were LGBT to be in a place that was safe. And the reality was that not everybody felt safe in their church, in spite of what they might say, in spite of what it might be on their website, they didn't feel it. So they wanted to feel someplace safe. And for whatever reason, they didn't feel safe where they'd been. Or they didn't feel at home, but they came here and they did. They felt seen and they felt heard and they felt valued and they felt loved. And they found community and they found healing. Whether they remain a part of the church or not. And I want to tell just three quick stories because I get to stand here and tell stories about so many people. But I think these are representative of what has happened here in the last 10 years. The first story is about a young man uh, who's no longer part of this church. And he was living in Houston, but his partner was dying of AIDS and had gone home to be with his family in Alabama or Arkansas. But the problem was that this man's family didn't want Stephen to have anything to do with him. And he was a wreck. And so Dawson Taylor, who was a pastor of Cathedral Pope Dallas, called me and said, a member of the church reached out to him and said, can you reach out to Stephen? And so all I had was an email address. So I emailed him and I said, we'd love to have you join us. That's all I did is I sent an email. And he came and he was a part, uh, a big part of this congregation for a long time. And it saved him. It, it brought him back. You know, he chaired my late teaching committee in my internship. And then I remember when Dorian came. I've known Dorian a long time. I know him outside of the church. 
And one day he said, well, you know, Lynette, would you be willing to talk to me about God and stuff? I said, sure. <laughs> well, that was back when I had a habit of doing an invite on Facebook to church. And so I invited him, and so he came. And we were at St. John's at the time, I remember where we were, and uh, we were doing communion. And Dory didn't necessarily grow up in a church that did communion all the time, but you know, we do. And, uh, and one of the things I often said was about the invitation, I said, you don't have to be a member of this church, um, you're welcome to this table, all of you, not some of you, all of you. And he took my word for it. And he got up. And now it's like in, I don't know, 2011, we haven't been able to get rid of your sample. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and then the last story. Um, Cindy had started coming here. By the way, she said she'd never go to Cathedral Cove. And she ended up here. <laughs> And um, she invited uh, two very dear friends to come with her. And I'll never forget, I remember it like it was yesterday, I really do. And I'm preaching, and I see the one gal, I didn't recognize her, you know, I'd never met her. And um, so I went up afterwards, and she introduces me to Becky and to Pam. Uh, and Becky tells me that she's battling for the third time uh, ovarian cancer. And in that moment, I knew that I would officiate at her funeral. I just knew it. And about two years later, that happened. But I can't begin to tell you how desperately that woman needed a church home. That she needed a place that would love her and pray with her and believe in her and care for her because she came from a background that she wasn't going to be affirmed. And this church, you people, saved her. And not just her, but her friends because we scooped them all up. And you know, over the first five or six years of Cathedral Hope, we probably had several hundred people find our way here and visit, and we had dozens of people join. And yet not all of those people who joined over the years are still here. And sometimes we struggle with that. We think we've done something wrong. Well, you know, church membership and attendance is a different concept today. People often come and go, more so now than ever before. But the truth is, people have always come and gone. And they come and go for many reasons. You know, some people came because I was the pastor. Some people left because I was the pastor. <laughs> and you have to learn to be okay with it. Because that's just the way it is. But you know, when you join the United Church of Christ, one of the things that we say is we celebrate every faith and church that has been your spiritual home and that has brought you to this place. And we'll celebrate your presence among us until such time as God calls you to a new place. You need to hear this. Cathedral of Hope Houston will always be alive 
because it's not a name or a building. St. Peter United Church of Christ will always be alive because it's not a name or a building. And the new St. Peter United will always be alive because it's not a name or a building. So one more time, what do the apostles say in the book of Acts? They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. This is indeed a place to belong.
And, uh, you know, we had this thing happen called the God is Still Speaking campaign and found out that there were all these places all over the South that were all these people that were hungry for a church but had no place. They could, you know, they were progressive in their theological thought or they were gay and lesbian or, or they, uh, you know, for whatever, whatever reason, they, they could not find a place to be, a place to belong. And so, um, I walked into Michael's office one day and sat down and said, I have a plan. I, I believe that cathedral folk should plant five churches in the next five years. And he about fell out of his chair. <laughs> and he said, have you lost your mind? And I said, no, I, I really do think this is what, I mean, if we're a cathedral, let's do what cathedrals do. Let's make some churches and see what happens. And um, so he agreed and we picked Houston as our first location. Um, I'm not, I don't really remember why, uh, except that it was close enough, but far away enough, and <laughs> thought we could um, maybe do something good here. And because Houston is a huge city. And, and I knew that we had faithful UCC congregations in Houston who would support us and be glad, and, and that, that we had, um, so we had fellowship already built in, and we had, uh, and, and it was big enough, Houston was big enough to support more UCC churches, and that's where we needed to be. So we came to Houston and started with a few people meeting in a small circle and talking about the possibilities. And, and that is absolutely right. We had no money to give. We did do in-kind kind of support and had a pastor coming down, bless Lawson's Park, we out of Houston every Sunday night for a long time. And, uh, and that's kind of how it all started. And, and let me tell you something here, my dreams come true. It's estimated that about one in seven new church starts actually makes it beyond five years. And most don't make it at all. And the fact that you are here celebrating 10 years is a testament to your faithfulness. It's a testament to the faithfulness and the doggedness of your pastors to just keep trying and just keep trying. Just, you know, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. And that's what you did. You know, my dream come true. And more importantly, in my your God's dream come true. To have a church that welcomes all people, as many and most of our UCC churches do, and, and welcomes in an extravagant way and gives people a place to belong. It's, it's huge. It's powerful. And, and you have made it thus far. And, um, and so I want to talk to you for a minute about a thing called liminal space. And the liminal space is that space when the past is just behind you and the future is just in front of you, but you're kind of standing there trying to figure out what's next. And here's the risk of being in the liminal space. And, and so throughout the history of this church, you have been in this place many times. But here's what happens in liminal space. If you get too afraid, you will retreat back to what was. Which is not necessarily a good move. 
It's not that you shouldn't bring all of that which passed with you, you should. But to retreat back, um, maybe not the best choice, and often happens when you're really, really scared. And so, what the gospel readings say, do not be afraid. And then the other thing that happens if you get really scared is you rush into the future. And you make decisions so quickly that um, they're not grounded. And so some of the discipline of being where you are right now is to stand in this liminal space and listen to what God has to say to you. Listen to where God is calling you, because clearly God's calling you to a new place and a new beginning and being birthed anew again. But it's important to stand and to listen and to listen to your hearts as to where God's calling you. have this beautiful, beautiful home. Oh, man. Oh, man, I love to have this place. Okay, I'm a little jealous, but um, I'll, I'll get back. So, so here we are in this place where we get to have God say to us, what was, was, what is, is, what will be, will be. How exciting. And, and the reason this is so important to me right now is because, guess what? In the North Texas Association, there are two churches who are worshiping together. One will turn six years old in May. It is the church I have been pastoring for the last five years called the New Church, the Chiesa Nuovo United Church of Christ. And the other is one of the oldest churches in our conference. It is 116 years old. It's been in three locations, and it's called Central Congregational United Church of Christ. And last May, we voted to just start worshiping together to see if we could get along. <laughs> just to get along, if we could do it. And in September, we voted to move forward with a 12-month plan to unite. Now, that's too long, too long, too long. Uh, but what I want to say is our teams are working so closely right now that we've already melded our worship, we've already melded our Christian education, we've already melded our mission and outreach, and now we're getting into the hard stuff of governance and calling pastors and, and name and all of that. And maybe we'll just call ourselves Central United. Yeah? How about that? And, um, and so... Here we are, and, and Leslie and I talked, I don't, I don't remember when it was, and he said, we're, we're talking about uniting, and I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We, we y'all and us, we're going to show the United Church of Christ a way, Amen. a way to go forward, a way to be together, a way to unite. A way to breathe life into churches, aren't we? Are we? Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, it's already happening. It was happening up in New England where three of our conferences joined together. And we can do this. And God, the Holy Spirit, oh, she is going to town. Yes, she is. So thank you. You give us hope because you are here this evening celebrating what was being here in this liminal space and dreaming about what God might do, right? So I'm going to lift up for you um, 
the book that has recently hit the shelves by former First Lady Michelle Obama. I commend it to you. If you have not read it or listened to it, and you might want to listen to it because she reads it, she has a lot to say about becoming. And that you and I and our churches, it's not a place we get to. It's a place that we become. We, we are becoming. And this is what we are called. And she has a lot to say about becoming. And, and the power in the book is, is very evident. And, and as I got to the last few pages, pages of it and I knew it was coming to an end. I was like, don't, don't, don't go. I've become your best friend, I'm sure of it. And don't go, don't end this because it is so good. And the last words of the book were all worth everything. I commend it to you as a guide, as a guide for how we move forward together. Acts also says, they were faithful, and daily God added to their number. I'll come back to that in a minute, but I also want to remind you of a great mystic, English religious, Christian mystic and theologian, Juliana, or Juliana of Norwich. She had uh, what she called um, showings. She had mystical experiences that she called showings, and she had like 16 of them. And um, in one of them, she, she questioned Jesus, who were the part and focus of her visions, and said that she didn't understand why God, who uh, in all the wisdom of God, why there was sin and why it hadn't been prevented. Um, because she thought everything should have been well, right? And she says, um, Jesus responded to her in the tenderest words and said, it was necessary that there should be sin, but all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. Listen, write it on your palm, place it on your bathroom mirror. As you go through the next year as a united and uniting church, let this be your mantra, and all shall be well, and all shall be well, every manner of things shall be well. And when you get in your little tussles, which you will do, because that's how we are in the world, remember that all shall be well. And why? Here's why. Jesus is born. Jesus is here in our midst, within us, and around us, and the Holy Spirit is breathing life into us. And, and all our scriptures tell us the truth, which is God saying, um, saying to us, see, I am making all things new. Write this, for this is trustworthy. And true, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This is the truth. Yes. Don't let the world tell you what the truth is. This is the truth. Yes. And, and, and the truth is that today is bad. 
that uh, together we can do extraordinary things. Um, and that's the strength that the Houston Association brings to you. Um, we will pray for you, we will lift you up, we will encourage you, we will walk alongside you, we will prop you up anytime there's a lean inside. <laughs> we are your family in Houston, and we are grateful for what God has done here, but we are excited about what God will do in the future. Amen. Amen.